The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, pal? Thanks, as always, for joining us here on the Paul Leslie Hour. I have for you an interview from the archives with a Hall of Fame legendary radio personality, Sid Mark. Sid Mark is mostly known for his radio programming that centers on and celebrates the musical legacy of Frank Sinatra. Sid's Sunday with Sinatra airs from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the station WPHT 1210 a.m. in Philadelphia and online at radio.com. It is a much-acclaimed program. WPHT is a 50,000-watt clear-channel talk station. The only music you will hear on that radio station is Frank Sinatra, as presented by the radio personality Sid Mark. The fall of this year was the 63rd year of that program in Philadelphia. The Sounds of Sinatra is nationally syndicated on nearly 100 stations around the country. As a past guest, Frank Sinatra Jr., rest his soul, once said, Sid Mark has interviewed everyone in any way associated with Frank Sinatra, including Frank Sinatra himself. I think this interview is very interesting. I would also add, Sid Mark has been a great encouragement to me. I sent him a CD of the radio special that featured this interview, along with musical selections. He was very complimentary and encouraging. In the world of radio, there are not many like Sid Mark. I hope you enjoy listening. Let me know what you think as we celebrate 104 years of Frank Sinatra. That's 104 years since December 12, 1915, the great singer's birth. Ladies and gentlemen, we're welcoming a Hall of Fame legendary radio personality. Mr. Sid Mark is the host of the syndicated radio show, The Sounds of Sinatra, as well as the program Sunday with Sinatra. He's been called a Philadelphia institution. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Paul. Pleasure to be on the program. I think most stories are best from the beginning. What was life like growing up? Well, I never in my whole life thought I'd be on the air, let alone uh, be celebrating the 59th anniversary of the program come this November. But uh, I came from a relatively uh, middle-class family. My parents were in the children's clothing business. My brother was a physician, went to college. My sister also was a college graduate. And somewhere along the way, I got the show business bug. I thought I'd like to go into radio while my parents were hoping that I'd go into the children's clothing business. So I went a different direction from what they had hoped. And fortunately for me and my family, it worked out well. Can you remember some of the early memories that you have of listening to the music of Frank Sinatra? Well, the, the story that I most remember was when I was drafted uh, in the Army in 1953. And while I thought I was going to stay in the area that I lived, I thought I was going to Fort Dix, which is in New Jersey. Of the 500 guys who were with me in that group, 
400 and some went to Fort Dix and about three went to Camp Polk, Louisiana, which is not the garden spot of the world. But I was one of the three. And when Christmas time rolled around, well into our basic training, we had a choice of either taking Christmas or New Year's. I knew many more guys wanted to go home for Christmas. So I opted for New Year's. And as it turned out, everybody wanted to go home for Christmas. And I was in the barracks all alone on Christmas Eve listening to the radio, and on 12.10 a.m., which was a 50,000-watt clear channel station, which is where I work now, which is really an unusual circumstance, I heard Frank singing, I'll be home for Christmas. And it reached me uh, very much in my inners. And I wondered to myself, wouldn't it be great to have an all-Sinatra program, never in the whole world thinking that that would ever happen to me. Most of my Sinatra early listening came because my sister was a huge fan and used to send me to buy the 78s and always said to me, and don't drop it on the way back because if you dropped it, they'd shatter immediately. And it was somewhat embarrassing at 13 years old to be going to the record shop to buy Frank Sinatra recordings. Those are perhaps my earliest memories and all the screaming and hollering of the girls when he appeared at the local theaters that had stage shows on Sundays. How did you get interested in the radio? What is it about the radio that draws you in? Again, it was my sister. While I was in the service, she was going to night school and took a course in jazz. And the instructor was a gentleman named Harvey Houston. And she said, you know, my brother is in the Army, and he's very much interested in this kind of music. When he gets out, would it be all right if he came to see you? And he said, fine. And when I got out two years later, he was still in the area and program director of a radio station. The call letters were WKDN, was in Camden. I went over to see him, and we became very good friends, had many lunches together, and my interest in radio was really peaked. And he sort of gave me the uh, blueprint on how to get on the air without a ton of experience was to sell your own time and ask for nothing in the way of salary. And in most cases, if it was a small enough station, they put you on, which is exactly what I did. It's really phenomenal when you think about the fact that you've had this radio program dedicated to one person. Of course, that one person is Frank Sinatra, but for close to 60 years of radio broadcast. Is there any artist that you could imagine that someone could dedicate that type of airtime for so long? Well, I don't know about for 60 years, but I know that, especially on cable now, there are all kinds. There's an Elvis channel. There's a Grateful Dead channel. I mean, there's so many bands that are on with exclusive performances only by them, but I don't think anyone could have lasted or could do it even today. I mean, there's no question that there's not going to be a a Michael Bublé channel 10 years from now, or, you know, Rod Stewart doing the standards. Although when you interviewed Frank Jr., he was, because I heard the interview, which incidentally was one of the best interviews I've ever heard, he was talking about all these young guys who are uh, keeping the music alive, but not to the extent that Frank did. Number one, he was the original, the only one that was ever close to him, it was Bing Crosby, and I thought Bing Crosby's reference to Frank was great. He said, somebody like Frank Sinatra comes along once in a lifetime. 
why did it have to be mine? But to answer your question, I guess if somebody really were dedicated not only to the music but to the person, I think it, it would probably have a shot. Or if you could convince anybody of management, which would really be difficult, to even take a shot at that. You know, maybe uh, Taylor Swift or something. I don't know what her staying power is. Our special guest is Hall of Fame legendary radio personality Sid Mark. When you first met Frank Sinatra, the very first time, were you nervous? Extremely. It was in Las Vegas. It was in 1966. We were invited after the huge success of Sinatra at the Sands. Frank called and said, I'd like you to be my guest at uh, the Sands for the weekend. And in arriving there, everything was fine. We had a lovely suite of rooms. But I was told that we were going to have dinner together and then go to the show. And when I went down to find out where I would join Mr. Sinatra, the guy looked at me like I had just arrived from Mars on a spaceship. I said, you don't understand. I'm Mr. Sinatra's guest. I remember his words to me were, you don't understand. Everybody's Mr. Sinatra's guest. So I was told by the late Sylvia Sims, if you get into trouble, ask for Jilly, which I did. And Jilly said that they were waiting for us at the dining room and where to go. And we would meet Mr. Sinatra. Walked into the dining room. It was totally empty. There was nobody there. I remember saying to my wife, what are they they pulling my leg? What's going on? And she said to me, don't get upset and try to contain your composure. He's standing right next to you. I turned around and there was Frank. And he extended his hand, hi, welcome, put his arm on my shoulder and said, have you had dinner yet? And I said, no. And my wife said, yes, would you like a drink? It was yes, no, no. Went over to the table where Frank was sitting. It was a private dining room. And at the table was Jack Benny and his wife, Mary Livingston, uh, Milton Burrell and Ruthie Burrell, Leo DeRocher, Lorraine Day, and the owner of the hotel, Jack Entrada, and then later on, Nancy Jr. came in with Jimmy Darren and eventually Mia Farrow. So to say that I was nervous, understatement of the year, could just about speak. But he was as kind as as if we were friends for a 100 years, knew all about the program, what time it was on, what station it was on, and what I was doing in Philadelphia. So he was very gracious, and we were very nervous. Our special guest is Sid Mark. You had the unique position of being able to interview Frank Sinatra several times. What was Sinatra like to interview? Well, the first interviews that I did were usually backstage at the casino, so there was always a lot of activity, people coming in pointing to their watches if he were due somewhere. But the ones that I most remember and cherish are the one-on-ones that I did in New York at his apartment at the Waldorf Towers, his apartment 33J. And he'd say, can you come to New York and we'll sit and we'll talk. And that's exactly what I'd go into the living room. And he would always say to me, how about taking that jacket off and take the tie off, for God's sake. And he would always make sure that I had a cup of tea. And he'd say, what are we doing? Because I was usually there for something specific. It would be a Gordon Jenkins birthday or something that they were going to do in the way of a tour or something was happening nationally, or it could be a a new release of uh, one of his recordings. But he always gave me usually about an hour or so, and then he would say, do you have everything you need? And I would use yes or no, and I usually bring him a little something. I remember asking me, had he heard the 
the latest LP by Billie Holiday was called Last Sessions. And I had become friendly with her working in a jazz room. And she told me she was going to do an LP with string arrangements and try to recreate some of the things that Frank had done. And on there was All the Way and You've Changed, a bunch of lovely ballads. He hadn't heard it. So it was my pleasure to play it for him. I had transferred it to a cassette and then give him the cassette. He was just thrilled. I mean, other than talking about the music and world affairs and anything that I chose to talk about, he was fine with it. And again, just gracious from the time I came in to the time I left. And you also have another unique experience. You can say that Frank Sinatra kissed you. Well, we usually kissed every time we saw each other. I think it's an old Jewish-Italian tradition where you kiss someone you respect. That's wonderful. Uh, I always kissed my dad when I saw him as well. But that was nice. I mean, my vocabulary is not adequate enough to describe my feeling about Frank. Well, when we had Frank Sinatra Jr. on, he said that you welcomed everyone connected to Sinatra, including Sinatra. Tell us about some of the people that you exposed your audience to that were connected to Frank Sinatra that you found the most interesting. Well, the one that most interesting would be difficult to say, but Tony Bennett was on a ton of times. Of course, he considered Frank his best friend. Just last week, I had uh, Steve Lawrence. Steve just did a marvelous deal to try to have him on your program, incidentally. He just did a three-CD release of things that he had by his wife, Edie Gourmet, that had never been put out in public. The CD is called, a three-CD set called American Treasure. And when Stevie's on, he, he can talk about Frank firsthand because they traveled together for almost a year on the ultimate event, he and, and Edie. Quincy Jones, it's interesting, when I had Quincy, when I interviewed Quincy when they did L.A. is My Lady, that he produced and put on his own label, sat with him for, I guess, more than an hour uh, and did it in his hotel room. When I got home, I had nothing but background noise, no Quincy on the whole tape. So I had to dump that. I don't know that subsequently we ever did it again. Never had the opportunity. I had Basie on any number of times because I worked in a jazz room for several years. And most everybody that came in was a Sinatra fan. Oscar Peterson, Earl Garner, George Shearing, Brubeck. All these people over the course of the years. And Vic Damone, locally. All the, all the ladies singer, Ella Fitzgerald. I mean, the list is endless. I mean, over 59 years, you're going to get some goodies. Tell us about the composers and lyricists, the songwriters that wrote this timeless music. Well, the one that I knew and became close with was Sammy Kahn. Of course, Sammy claims he put more words in Frank's mouth than anyone else. I think that's probably true. And he, in his stories, which were really animated, would say things like Frank came into the room and said, we're doing a movie called Tender Trap, write a song for Tender Trap. And he said he sat down as a typewriter, and it's just the sound of the keys themselves, and they wrote the song in 15 minutes. You can probably do that in your head, too, when you hear about the Tender Trap, the lyrics. You can almost hear the keys. I met Julie Stein a couple of times. Never met the, because I'm not old enough, never met the Gershwins or Rogers and Hart or folks like that. 
had Peter Allen on a couple of times. He wrote, You and Me, We Wanted It All. And he told the story of seeing Frank do that in person, and Frank introduced the song as You and Me, but the title of the song is We Wanted It All. He went backstage and told Frank how much he enjoyed it and said, to Mr. Sinatra, the name of the song is not you and me, it's we want it at all. And Frank said, well, I like you and me better. And said, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> In doing research for this interview, I went to many places online, but also the Sinatra Family Forum. And one of the things that I saw people saying a lot in various ways one person said directly that you, Sid Mark, were responsible for expanding their interest in Sinatra. How does that make you feel to know that you've played a part in people discovering and then taking a small amount of love and making it a regular thing to the point where people's interest in the man grew? Well, I'll tell you, I recently had a physical with and my cardiologist said to me, are you thinking about retiring? I said, I think about it from time to time at 5 o'clock on Sunday morning when I'm getting ready to go to work. He said, well, you can't retire. He said, not you. You know, I'm not talking about you and your physical being. He said, but I won't allow you to disappoint the people who get up early on Sunday morning just to hear Mr. Sinatra. He said, you're a part of their lives. When we had Frank Jr. in for the 50th anniversary of the program, which was nine years ago, we did it in Atlantic City and sold out the theater. The first row, which were 10 seats, were a mother and father, their parents, the grandchildren, and their children. There were 10 seats, and it was all one family. And it became so obvious to Frank Jr. and to me how intergenerational this show has become. And every email I get says, my parents introduced me to the show. We were making our spaghetti sauce on a Sunday morning, listening to the show. We traveled to and from the shore, listening to the show, going to and from services on Sunday morning, listening to the show, and really it's like being part of their family, and I'm very appreciative of that. You just mentioned Frank Sinatra Jr. Yeah. What do you think of Mr. Sinatra Jr.? Well, first of all, he's a good friend. I've known him since he was 19 years old, so I've known him more than 50 years. I think he's a marvelous performer. I've, I guess in the last month just saw the show that's dedicated to his dad, with the video screens and the full orchestra. And as a matter of fact, I'm having dinner with him this Saturday night. Interesting, whenever he's within 100 miles of Philadelphia, which is my hometown and home base, he'll call and say, I'm going to be in the area. 100 miles is not really in the area. And wherever he's going, if that plane flies over Philadelphia, he'll land, we will have dinner, and then he picks up the trip right after dinner and goes. And also, if he's appearing within 60 to 100 miles, we'll make arrangements during that engagement to come back to Philadelphia so that he and I can do an interview. Uh, I think he's very talented. His self-deprecating comments are the only thing that bother me because he doesn't realize how good he is. When we're on the air together, he says, make sure you don't play my recordings. They want to hear Sinatra. And of late, I'm so glad he now refers to Sinatra as my father or dad. And he has always said there were two Sinatras, the one he worked for and the one who was his father. But I like him a whole lot. I wish him nothing but the best. Radio has changed so much throughout the years, and your program is certainly a unique one. Why do you think you've been able to do it 
your way. Well, I think Frank gave me that compliment. He said, of all the programs that are out there, yours has oregano. And I think that's one of the ingredients. Secondly, even in this day and age, I still run my own board. I don't allow anybody to segue for me. There's something in the segue. I don't don't know if you've ever heard of the show. Have you, Paul? I have. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, in the way we do it, I think a trained ear can hear it. The, The listeners know something's there, but maybe can't put their finger on it. But the major ingredients is my utmost respect, not only for the music, but how much I love Frank. You know, that bro love that we talk about. Mm-hmm. I think that's what people hear. And if I'm in a bad mood, you're going to hear four hours of ballads. If I'm feeling great, it's going to be, everything's going to be up. And I think people can relate to that. The syndicated shows all are thematic. And fortunately, I have a lot of interview material that I still intersperse into the program. And while a lot of people say, well, I read about Frank and did this about Frank, these are things that he told me. These are things that I witnessed. So it's all firsthand. Don't know that you could do it today. Is there a favorite track of Frank Sinatra's for you? I think it really depends, again, like I told you, the mood. Right now, I have a couple of things that I am playing every week. People know that I'm going to play it. If I don't, they're disappointed the... 1984 track from Carnegie Hall Live, This Is All I Ask. I guess I'll hang my tears out to dry from the uh, UCD recorded in London, a live one from uh, Royal Albert with Tony Matola. Same same CD, Here's to the Band, where Frank is obviously having such a great time right in the middle of it when he talks to the orchestra. He says, light him up, and the band just kicks ass. So those three at this point, you and me, I always loved, played that a whole lot. But again, it depends on the mood, depends on how I feel. And it's pretty much like saying, which one of your children do you like the best? You love them all, but on occasion, somebody will come out and shine, and that's how I feel about the music. Of the artists you are recording and performing today, what singers do you think are best at interpreting the American Songbook? difficult question because I am so jaded and I am so sonatrified that I, if I turn on the radio and I hear Rod Stewart, I really turn it off. The arrangements are gorgeous. I just can't handle his performances. And I'm very much affected by how people treat other people. I would say 30 years ago, there was a jazz festival in Philadelphia and Sylvia Sims was the opening performer. And she said to me, I need somebody to open for me. And I said, well, let me see. Uh, how about Harry Connick? She said, who's he? He was just starting out. He had his first CD, LP. And they booked him, and he was sensational. They even did a duet together. After the show, he came over and thanked me. He said, I'll never forget you. I said, well, thank you very much. And I was at Frank's birthday party at the Waldorf Towers. And Harry was there. And I said, hey, Harry, how are you? And he said to me, do I know you? And I was hurt by that, and I've never played him since. Hmm. Uh, I don't know how he interprets it, and he is a good singer and a great musician. Well, not great. I was once corrected by Shorty Rogers and Jerry Mulligan. They said, when you say great and something special, you may, you better be talking about Picasso, because unless it's like that, don't say great. He's a good singer. Sinatra was great. So I find it very difficult to to listen to anyone else 
If I want to hear somebody do Sinatra songs other than Sinatra, I'll listen to Frank Jr., the closest to what his dad was. I mean, there are a ton of kids out there doing it. Oh, that and best interpreter of the Sinatra music other than would be Stevie Lawrence. Obviously, I have a bias towards Steve because I like him so much. What do you think of Mr. Robert Davi? Robert Davi, he's a friend of mine, and he's a trained opera singer, and I think he's sincere in his efforts. But like he said, I'm not trying to copy Sinatra, and I'm not trying to do Sinatra. It's just Robert Davi doing Sinatra material. So for what he's doing, I think he does it well, and I like him. Nice guy. What does Frank Sinatra mean to you? Well, to say he's like family would be uh, maybe too trite. But he is like, he's been like, maybe in his own words, La Familia, you know. I've always felt that I could have called him if I needed something. I never did, incidentally, ever. Never asked him for anything. But in my career, I don't think I would have had it without him. I mean, of all the people to choose, I, I chose the winner, did I not? Mm-hmm. I chose anybody else. I don't think we'd be even having this conversation. It's very special to me. I mean, it's, it's just like, it's La Familia. For anyone who's listening to this interview, what would you say to the audience? Uh, stick with us because there's there's a ton of material yet to come. And if you've not gotten into it yet, you might want to start with his most recent 100 selection CD, which you've got everything from all or nothing at all from 1939, 76 years ago in August, incidentally, uh, all the way through to New York, New York, and a couple of alternate takes, too, that haven't been out before. And just give it a listen. As a matter of fact, I sent it to my cardiologist, and I said to him, listen to two cuts each day and then call me in the morning. (laughs) That's great. You'll get the general idea. It can be life-altering, because if you're having a great day, there's certainly something by Frank that you can play. If you're having a bad day, there's a ton of stuff you can play. I mean, you can't go through a breakup or a divorce or someone in your family you're passing that you won't get some kind of uh, solace by listening to Frank. He's always there for me, even to this day. I keep expecting the phone to ring. I'm so grateful there was no social media at that time. Because he and I used to correspond, and I have a leather-bound book of all his letters that cover all those years. From time to time, I'll just take them out and read them. And always thrilled that they're all hand-signed. I mean, he's with me even as we speak. What is the best thing about being Sid Mark? I guess getting as far as I have gotten thus far, having a a family that understands me and a wife that loves me, hopefully. She's not in the room, so I can say that. And still being able, uh, I shouldn't say able, being allowed to do what I do and that I still bring my own product in. I still have the right of refusal if I don't want to do a commercial. And everything I do on my show is live. There are no pre-recorded spots for the most part. Really just grateful that they allow me to continue what I wanted to do. I don't think that's possible in any job, let alone radio. My last question, who is Sid Mark? I would have to look in the mirror and ask the image that I've seen. I would say a very lucky person at this point. You know, I came from, very, I think, very humble beginnings. My parents taught me to respect the people that I work for and 
in radio, you know, you must be on time. I don't think there's any other job that is quite like maybe a conductor. But I've, I've, I've always had respect for the people that I work for and live, try to live by the golden rule, really. Frank was do unto others before they do it to you. It was a slight variation. But I think that would be it, Paul, and hopefully that, uh, like Frank said, he hoped that the music would continue. He said that would be a nice legacy for him. I always hoped that one of my sons would go on the air, but I dissuaded them from getting into the business because I didn't want them to live with the heartache that we all do in this business. When somebody comes in and says, well, we're changing formats, the show is over, or you're out of here. And that's happened to me just once, and it was devastating. And I wouldn't even go out to a restaurant to eat. I was so embarrassed. Uh, But fortunately, that was remedied the next day. And again, the management at that point, with the show had been on for 45 years, they could have cared less that it had been on for 45 minutes. It meant nothing to them. And my concern was, what would I tell Frank? Mm. And of course, for one of the first calls was from Frank Jr. Don't worry about it, you'll be on. And just always supportive, always there for you. You know, Sinatra's middle name was not, you think it was Albert? Francis Albert Sinatra? Yeah. His, His middle name was Loyalty. And that was for sure. I hope your show continues. As Frank Jr. told me, you're a young guy. I am, yes. How old are you? Yesterday, I turned 34. 34. I got ties home older than you. <laughs> now, 34 doing what you're doing, I, I applaud you. I, just, I hope it goes on for a long, long time. Well, thank you very much. You're an inspiration, truly. Well, thank you, Paul. I'm glad we're able to do it. Thank you. And continued success. Bop, bop, dealy, bop, bop, ba-doo, bop, zee, bock, a doodly, not bock, suki, chacha, cook, a boz, a look, a boz, a neck, a pork, a cat, a goat, a rum, bock, doodly, zan, ba-dum, a dack, a pot, a cat, yeah, a zika, bock, a book, a long, gone, doodly, boo, goodbye.